0: Back to the A to Z show, we got our special guest here, Kevin
1: Strange. Yeah, the yeah. illustrious director. Thank you, Kevin thank you Strange. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Me
2: and, me and Andrew go. Uh, are you Andrew on the show? I am, yes. Uh, we, uh, well, you never know. You can, uh, oh, that's true, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm actually known as America's Sweetheart, Andrew. Yeah. So That is want, true. Yeah.
2: America's Sweetheart, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> we go back a long time, don't we? We do. we for were sure. just talking about this. We've known oh, yeah. each other for at least 12 years. Ah, uh, yeah. What, what do you want to talk about, brother?
0: Uh, well, you, you said got co- you said
2: come over and be on my podcast. I'm here. I did. Yeah,
0: let's we, do it. We want to get some funding for that IndieGoGo that you got. That's right. Yeah, we're doing a
2: comic book adaptation of our film we made together 12 years ago. Dead shit. Comic book adaptation. I know. Have you ever been in a comic
0: book? Adaptation I have not. Before? This is yeah. a me dream neither. come true. Like I've loved comics since I was a little kid. Me too. Loved movies since I was a little kid. You've made both those dreams come true for me. <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> I have, yeah. Well, the thing is, I owe you. I was a fan of movies ever
2: since I was a little <laughs> kid. I was a fan of comic books since I was a little kid. And I needed to make the kind of movies that I wanted to see, and I needed to write and draw the kind of comic books that I wanted to read. And so I did.
0: Nice. And you're in both of them. Yeah. It's, it's unreal, man.
2: <laughs> it was a lot of fun, man. We did we oh, uh, yeah. we did we did this movie together so long ago, and I wanted to... Uh, can I, do you want me to get into the story? Yeah, yeah. And
1: if you Please. Run, just, no, yeah, yeah, please do.
2: Before I get into it, do we have anything else we want to talk about? I'm going to get into it. We're going to get deep
1: here. I know. Totally get deep. We will just go off on uh, random ass fucking uh, waves. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it.
0: So, we made a bunch of movies together. We mean? We did two together, right? We did. We yeah, did. and then uh, I did like a couple of commercials type yeah, promo yeah, yeah, things yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> you were, were you in that weird one in Millstatt? Yes. Where, like, <laughs> with that restaurant, <laughs> we walked in. We were like <laughs> making it rain with promotional <laughs> brochures, Well <laughs> somebody uh, was trying to have like a date or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the,
2: the promo <laughs> is like two people. It's a co- it was a promo for Cockhammer, the movie Cockhammer. Okay, I couldn't remember and which so one it was for. At, where, yeah. The way I set up the commercial was this, it's this guy and this girl on a date, and suddenly I come busting in, or the first thing that happens is the door kicks open and like five weirdos with a boombox box kick the door open and like stomp in and like are like like I don't even know marching in unison some kind of weird march you guys came up with yeah. did I tell you guys to do that or no you we guys just came
0: up with? we just came up with it and
2: uh and you yeah, start... it's
1: called a goose step I mean, you, you all say that it's fine so, not kind of far off yeah
2: not far off yeah honestly what? have you seen this I don't think he has no. it kind of no, does look like I'm just <laughs> throwing jokes <laughs> out brother <laughs> who knows what's happening <laughs> so they stomp around the, the restaurant. We actually, my friend had a restaurant in uh, in uh, Millstad, Illinois, and I used to try to, um, I would um, put it in all the movies to promote his business, and then it also gave us a location to shoot at. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I scratch your balls, you scratch mine. Is that a good analogy? Taint. Good enough, yeah, <laughs> if it's Sorry, for us. I was going to say back, but yeah. that, you know. No, taint. Taint is way better. <laughs> We're we're already. It's been what two minutes, five minutes. We're yes, already. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. <laughs> we're already in the taint
1: scratching. This is
2: good. I like you guys. Fitting <laughs> <It's laughs> well. This is my kind of podcast. So. uh yeah, they all stomp in with a boom box and they throw Hack Movies flyers. And then I kick the door open with a megaphone and a luchador hat, uh, mask on and a suit. And I'm wearing like a suit and tie shirt. I forgot about the mask. <laughs> and then a luchador mask. And I just start screaming about my... Like, and there's only two people in the restaurant. And I go up to their table and start screaming in their face with a megaphone about Cockhammer, my next feature film. And uh, I forgot you were in that. That's awesome. Right. That one, that's such a weird commercial. Yeah. You know, we would do stuff like that for every movie. We would do these like weird skits, and promotional videos and commercials. Mm. Uh, It was a lot of fun. That was like, um, that was when YouTube was like. Real? There was no, yeah, it was YouTube. It was about, anybody could put like any kind of weird homemade content on it, and there really were no restrictions. They didn't really care about anything. And uh, it was also a lot harder to garner an audience on there. You know, there weren't everybody, uh, YouTube didn't come on every phone. (laughs) You know, there weren't (laughs) even cell phones that even had screens had screens back then yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. that was 2007 2008 2009 right yeah ish uh I we, was did not high we did school that together.
1: we did uh you weren't even in high school yet i graduated to yeah. 2010 so oh, i guess wow. yeah so yeah we're old. No, i we was old. wrong we're old brother yeah
2: um so yeah we did that shit together we did <laughs> promo together we did uh, colonel kill motherfuckers oh yeah, oh, did, yeah. where you played, that's my favorite uh, one yeah, and you were one of the lead roles you yeah. got to play the uh, i couldn't believe the leave. dungeon master yeah yeah that was a lot well what what I would do when I would make these movies was I would give somebody a small role in a movie and if they showed up on time they were enthusiastic they didn't complain about the long hours and they appreciated you know once the movie was over they they wanted to come to the premieres of the movie they wanted to watch it they wanted to do screenings of it I would then give them bigger roles in the next film and bigger and bigger until they actually had starring roles in the films, and uh, so you did, you, you came and worked on Dead Shit, you mm-hmm. came and worked on that commercial for me, yeah. and uh, and you, um, so I ended up giving you a big, in fact, we shot at your apartment, we, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we really kind of went in, yeah, the majority heavy, of that film, like yeah. all the
0: interiors are inside yeah. my old apartment in it, Edwardsville,
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that movie was so much fun to shoot, oh yeah, that was a good one, there were some that were tough to shoot, that movie was a lot of fun to shoot, what did you, I mean, this was like, because you didn't have any lines in Dead shit. No,
0: yeah, I'm just just a head zombie.
2: You, have you ever been on any of the commentaries?
0: Uh yeah, I did one of the Colonel Kill ones. You did do mm-hmm. one of the
2: I was gonna say, I don't know if we, you and I have ever
0: Yeah, we were at we've a...
2: recorded the, if we've ever had like a documentation of a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I think it was the one of the, the second or third one I think on the Colonel Kill D V D. We did it in uh, Tim's basement.
2: So what did you think, man? Remember, I was like, you didn't even have any lines of dead shit. You just got your arms ripped off. Right I know, yeah.
0: Place. It was it was a wild experience. Like we worked together at the movie theater. That's how I met you. Yeah, that's and, how we met. And mm-hmm. you
2: you expressed a enthusiasm for movies. I didn't.
0: I probably gave you a copy of my first. Movie you did, Dream, yeah. Reaper. Dream Reaper. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I've man, that was so cool. <laughs> I was like, that's the
1: song that plays in uh, Wayne's World, right? Dream Weeper, <laughs> I believe I can take them on at night. He, no, he, he figured out the inspiration <laughs> for, for, my Cracking jer- the code. for my jerk-off movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dream weeper
2: is famous for having every single character in the film have a masturbation scene. Excellent. Just before they die. Yeah, every one. Yeah. Every single one. See, that's really <laughs> odd
1: because I masturbate to that movie every time. So, one of the that. odds. I've been told that. yeah that was
0: just like off the charts i was like i've i've got to try to do this and help you out and you said you were looking for some extras because you had a bunch of zombies you were wanting to cast for your new film and so i was like all right that sounds (laughs) that sounds fun i could be a zombie yeah i could i could make that work one day of work right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yep and uh yeah i I met you in the steak and shake parking lot and (laughs) eric and uh david both showed up yep and David Wayne Black, rest in yeah, peace. It was our, oh yeah, damn, I forget, I keep forgetting about that. That's oh, that's wild. where all this is going, brother. Yeah, that's where all this is going. Damn, keep going.
2: Though. Yeah, no, it, it was a great day though. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, the
0: first shoot for all of us. We, that's the first time I think we yeah, came, yeah, yeah. met you. Yeah, Eric,
2: David, you, there was so many brand new people on that because uh, Dream Reaper I made with just some really close friends. Oh, really? Because okay. I needed to, I needed to know. I, I want Dream Reaper was like my, um, was like my uh, proof of concept gotcha. that I could shoot a film. Edit the film, put it on DVD, have commentaries behind the scenes, put it on a disc, drive it to conventions, and people, and actually sell it to people, and have people want to actually support my my film uh, career. And when they did, when people, act, you know, when I was able to make that movie, when I was able to put it on a DVD, when I when I was able to take it to conventions and sell it to people, I was like, unleash the Kraken, dude, let's <laughs> do this, and. Uh, so I started asking everybody I knew like dude I can do this let's let's throw a film together let's do it. Yeah. And so almost everybody on uh, Dead Shit was brand new. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Don dueppe the the oh, arch mm-hmm. villain of Nixon and Hogan. So yeah. Dead Shit was like the launching Dead Shit was like what I consider to be the real launch of hack movies. So if Dream Reaper was like a proof of concept movie, the real like genesis of the univer the hack movies universe was Dead Shit and the core characters of the hack movies universe are Nixon and Hogan. Right. And then their arch nemesis, Don Duepe, the idea was that over the years, they would always come back to Don Duepe as, as like the arch villain of the universe. Okay. He would be coming in, weave, weaving in and out of everything. And he does come back later in Nixon Hogan's Smoke Christmas, the feature film. Don nice. Don Duepe uh, appears for a scene. He has like a cameo in that movie. And, um, but yeah, we brought him. That was Nick. Uh, I, I had met him. He saw, so I pretty much like, Dream Reaper was like my, um, was like my calling card. Was like my, um, was like a business card. I would just give that movie to anybody, and uh, and we had um, we had a really heavy MySpace present. This is how long ago. Did you <laughs> oh even shit! Have a, did you even have a MySpace?
1: Yeah, you no, I totally have have had a MySpace. MySpace, bro. Okay. Fucking Tom was my number one friend. What are you <laughs> talking about? Everybody's.
2: Tom never throttled anybody's algorithms. Tom never censored anyone's speech. Tom never made you pay for. Um, He never made you pay to promote. Tom was our friend, dude. He was for real our friend.
1: Is it also true that uh, Dream Reaper, his main goal was to make sure we could see the morning light? Or was I just wrong on that?
2: (laughs) His main goal was to have sex with Willie (laughs) Nutsack. That was his final final goal. But anyway, uh, so I brought in... Uh, all these new, so I, so uh, anyway, yeah, Myspace, we we had a huge presence on Myspace and we would post our trailers uh, and teaser scenes for Dream Reaper all over Myspace. And so all these people started coming, um, contacting me, like Eric Williams, mm-hmm. uh, he contacted me, David Wayne Black contacted me, Nick, uh, Nick Head. Uh, Contacted me. All these brand new people contacted me from the from the local area, saying, "Hey, we love to act. We've been in movies. We've done all all these other movies before. Um, We want to work with you. You you look like you're a lot of fun to work with." So, dead shit was like. All these people descended on, on me. It was like it was like magnetic, dude. You know, I'm sure you've listened to everybody's listened to like self help podcasts or whatever, where people are like, you have to project the kind of um, reality that you want, and you you know a positive attitude will mm. uh, attract a positive attitude, a negative right. attitude will attract negative attitudes. Well, I projected let's make movies, and I really and it did. It was oh, like right. a magnetic pull, and I pulled all of the um, really cool film people from the from the area. Uh, from this, uh, the whole St. Louis metro area sort of descended on me and was like, "Hey, we want to help." Yeah. And so, dead shit was uh, the first time we we did all that and worked with all those people, and um, that was only—I mean, that was only a few days shoot. I think that movie's yeah. only like 25 minutes long. Um, but I remember—I uh, remember when we finished it, um, I came over to your apartment to play. Um, to play uh, Guitar Hero one night, mm-hmm. and you guys—I watching- say Rock
1: Band. I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> you
2: guys, you guys were, uh, were watching the flick, and I was like, "Man, this is cool. Gonna, like, we made this. These guys are into it." And so that's why I was like, "Hey, man, you want know, to do something <clears throat> way more ambitious than that?" And you're like, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm actually looking for a location, too. I said, you got a cool apartment. You got a cool movie. Because my idea, when I <laughs> we had no money to make movies, my idea of production value was movie posters on the walls. <laughs> and Andrew had a ton of movie posters yeah. on the walls because we worked at the movie theater together. So we right. would just be able to go upstairs and sort of raid the movie posters. As soon as they left the theater, we would... Um, We'd pull the distribute
0: video. them to the garbage, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. which was our trunks. <laughs> yeah,
2: and so uh, we all had. I mean, I had tons of uh, movie posters on my walls too. Absolutely. And uh, so I said, "Hey, man, could we use your apartment for the for the uh, interior? You know, for the main um, uh, location?" we were like, Shh, "Let's do it." Yeah. And uh, how did that turn out? I mean, we we did invade your house quite oh, yeah. a few <laughs> times. How many times did we shoot there?
0: Uh, it was probably. Probably in the double digits, I'd say 10 or 11 times maybe.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was like a 7 or 8 month shoot. Yeah, it was one, it was of, one of the wild shoots I had. And yeah. We just kept coming back. Do you remember the day that we showed up to shoot at your house and we forgot the camera? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got everybody together yeah. and we Which was the a shift. tough task. Yeah, at the time. it
2: wasn't. It wasn't easy to get four or five because the ensemble, uh, the group of. So Colonel Kills about a group of role playing nerds that accidentally kill an uh, army veteran that's got you know fucked up. Wait, problems. hang
1: on. I never finished the movie. Don't spoil it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm being a dick. I've totally watched the movie.
2: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> They, they accidentally kill this guy, and he comes back for revenge. And so the first half of the movie, all these people are together. So I had to get, like, six people together in the in the cast uh, to shoot <clears> each other. It was, like, um, the, the first half of the movie, all the interior scenes, and even the exterior scenes. We had up yeah, drive up Milstat yeah. to do, like, <laughs> these ensemble shots. But anyway, one day, I show up for a shoot, and we were, like, getting together, like, every Sunday or every other Sunday. Like, it was pretty regular for a while. We would get together for a few hours on Sunday and shoot some stuff. And one day we got there, and I fucking forgot the camera the not cam- because we were shooting with another actor Tim he lived in millstat and we were shooting with his camera and I, he would loan it to me when we would shoot days that he wasn't there he was part of the ensemble mm-hmm. but on days that he wasn't there we were going to shoot some like pickups that didn't involve him so we got together and I was like we don't have the fucking camera it's at Tim's house what are we doing did we do, Did we end up just leaving
0: uh, I we, don't remember what we, we did. yeah we rehearsed a couple things we like did some like blocking and kind of figuring out some other shots that we were going to be filming. AKA wasting time because yeah. I was an idiot. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and
1: then you the shot camera. it on your Motorola flip phone, right? <laughs> it would have been a Motorola okay. for a flip phone at
2: <laughs> the time. Or what they That's what I figured. The, the little slide phones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <'Cause laughs> I talk a lot if you haven't noticed, so I needed one of the little slide phones with the keyboard. <laughs> I, had a lot to, I, I always have a lot to say.
1: Fuck yeah, you, you were making money moves, man. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Is that <laughs> who had those? <laughs> who had those phones Was the
2: money movers? The power
1: executives.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah, the power executives.
1: They had the black was Rubbing shoulders with the big guys.
2: Um, so yeah, did it ever get to a point where you were like, I wish I would have not agreed to have all these people <laughs> at my house? Or did it... No, it doesn't was... seem to go, because I've had, I've had sets where it's like people agree to let us shoot there and then as soon as it starts happening I can feel the tension, like it changes, like this idea is like, yeah, let's shoot a movie in my house, oh my god, I didn't realize it took so long to shoot a movie, <laughs>
0: and uh, it never no, felt that like that cool. with you at all, yeah. it
2: always felt really relaxed and fun and cool, oh, yeah. and, like, and I never felt like we overstayed our welcome.
0: No, once. not at all, but and you were always if... like super respectful and everything too, like I tried? I whenever I tried. we were smoking, we, like it was always, uh, you had the potpourri stuff where you yeah. could you know, cover up the smell, and anytime we did the kill scenes or anything like that, you always had sheets down and... Plastic and stuff. So like, yeah, I tried nothing not to. to do. Ever, I yeah. think
2: we only did like one or two of those in the house. Hmm. Most of those we, I kept those outside. Yeah, yeah. So that we wouldn't mess up your house. Yeah. We did one at D- David Wayne Black's house where uh, we got we destroyed one of his rooms, oh, and I really? was so mortified. And he kept telling me before and after we're gonna recarpet this room. Okay. We're gonna, but we laid plastic against the wall, and the idea was we did all these gunshot wounds. Where You've seen Stip shots, mm-hmm. haven't you? Yeah. So All those gunshot wounds where they bl- splatter against the wall. Well, at, throughout the chaos of the shoot, the the plastic that we put on the floor got pulled away from the uh, wall. Oh, shit. And so some of that stuff ran down and actually stained the carpet. And I was so pissed that I was on my, after the shoot, I was on my hands and knees with uh, soap and water trying to get it out. And he kept telling me, dude, it's okay. We're going we're <laughs> to rip this carpet out eventually anyway. And I was like, yeah, eventually. And until then, you're going to have a stain. <laughs> from where, where I fucked up your house, because I was always super grateful that people would even let us come in and, and do this stuff, because it's not easy. Oh, yeah. And having having a ton of people using your bathroom and using your, uh, your you know uh, drinking waters out of your fridge and everything, and I tried my best to make sure that everybody that I cast in the movies was respectful and honest and they wouldn't steal from people they weren't drug addicts and uh but you never know if you're going to get one of those people that's going to start like putting shit in their fucking pockets and walking out with really valuable stuff in people's houses and so i was always looking out for that and making sure that that never happened trying to make movies yeah so I'm glad that uh, all these years later, you're not like, yeah, you know, man, I really wish we wouldn't have done that. No, somebody no. somebody made off with my prize, <laughs> such and yeah.
0: such. If anything, I felt like I should apologize to you, because we would always like move the furniture around and shit, oh, and you would be not... like, the continuity's just ruined here. Like, <laughs> yeah, this poster was over here last time, and you had I mean, different curtains last time. He's well, making
1: that... a good point. I mean, just to be fair, he is making a good point, yelling, man yeah. I mean, That's all I'm saying.
2: Well, that's one of the crazy <laughs> things about making movies, dude. And it happened to me just recently when we shot the IndieGoGo video for uh, the Dead Shit comic book. It's just, just two people in the in the scene, me and my roommate's daughter, and we just she plays my daughter, my estranged daughter in the in the skit. And the uh, the whole thing is like three minutes long, and there's only a couple of lines. We didn't end up having to reshoot anything, but oh, really? if we had, this is I'm getting to my point. Mm-hmm. Within a day and a half of us shooting that, she dyed her hair green. Oh shit! There is some kind of weird thing in the universe where if you capture someone's image on film that needs to be in continuity, they will shave their beard, they will get pregnant, they will they will cut their hair, they will shave their head, they will dye their hair, they will convert to a new religion that doesn't yeah. that they will get a new boyfriend or girlfriend that doesn't allow them to make movie. It's like something. Something, some force in the universe is like, oh, you're going to try to make a movie, huh? I'm going to make it as hard as humanly possible. And I would tell people, please, please, please don't cut your hair. Please, 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 if you have a beard, keep it. If you don't have a beard, don't grow one out of the fucking... Sometimes we wouldn't shoot for a month, and I'd show up and be like, you have a mustache, dude! Where did the mustache come from? Well, I thought I'd grow a mustache. In the middle of a movie shoot? You know you're going to be on film. In fact, I had to delay the... um, I had to delay production on Stiff Jobs for five months because the main actor had a beard... And I, w- I shot everything. He's like, are we done? I was like, I think we're done. I think we're good. Uh, but I went home and I looked at the footage and I decided I wanted to shoot a whole other scene that was like a big action scene, real bloody, and had a bunch of cool stuff in it because the movie felt like it needed that. And so you've seen Stiff Job. Mm-hmm. So the very end when Cockhanger oh. pulls Wolfram Wingate into the nether realm yeah, yeah. and brings all the zombies of the people they've killed back. That originally wasn't in? That wasn't in the original script. Oh, wow. I wrote all that because I was like, I need a climax for this movie. It just doesn't feel like it ends with a punch. And... Um, uh ryan who what, did, what the hell did he call himself back then chadwick cockstriker yeah. <laughs> he had a beard throughout the uh, wolfram had a beard throughout that uh, that movie and uh as soon as i called him up I was like hey i want to go ahead and do some additional scenes he's like man i just shaved my beard i was like why would you shave your beard he's like i don't know it was too big and scratchy <laughs> i was like you had a beard for a year <laughs> You had to shave it the minute we finished filming? So I was like, fucking start growing it back out. And he did. And so it for, I let him grow that beard for five months before we shot it So we talk about it on the commentary of that disc, but it, we shot it in fucking July. And so, all the characters are wearing shorts and short sleeve shirts. One of the characters is literally only wearing this tiny, thin vest, mm-hmm. and he's basically shirtless without it. And we shot the fucking final scene in December, and I drug them all out there in shorts and short sleeve shirts <laughs> in December to shoot this scene. I'm like, it ain't gonna take long, it ain't gonna take long. We were out there for hours, and they were freezing their tits off. <laughs>
1: Okay. You're a real fucking Stanley Kubrick. That's what you are. I mean, let's oh, be honest that. God damn it, Shelly. do it right. Yeah, <laughs> do it again. Do it again. <laughs>
2: I, I watched a, a, a documentary on um, Full Metal Jacket, where
1: one of my favorite films have, of all time. Have you seen
2: the like the behind the scenes documentary where the actors are talking about him? Yes. They're like all talking about Stanley Kubrick, and they're like, "What? what? You know, he, get, he gives us no notes." And I'm like, "How do you want me to act for this scene?" And he would go. I cast you in the film for a reason. Act.
1: start acting, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. And, they would just,
2: and he, would, he was like, like that. He would cast people. He, oh, would, yeah, he, no, he, was, he didn't he... want them to act. He wanted them to be exactly like they were in the audition. He just wanted them to be themselves. Well, Have you
1: he ever heard cared. the story about uh, how uh, Arlie Ermey got the role as uh, the uh, drill sergeant?
2: Yeah, I think it's in that same documentary where he talks about it. He was, like, he just started yelling out insults. He was
1: supposed to be there for, like, uh, just to kind of help them along for the filming. And then he thought the guy who was playing the role wasn't good enough. So he videotaped himself throwing out insults while people pelted him with tennis balls.
2: <laughs> and he got to it and they fired Yeah, and dude. then he
1: sent that to Stanley Kubrick, and Kubrick was like, "Yeah, fuck it, give it to him, man. I'd... Fire that guy. Yeah. let's put this let's, in. let's go, let's and fucking party."
2: Now it's one of the most iconic roles in movie history. Man. Oh yeah. yeah, that dude gave himself a. That's how you give yourself a job, dude. Fuck yeah,
1: <laughs> you work for it. So anyway,
2: um, the movies, dude. So we made yeah. movies for a long time. Yeah, I eventually got sick of it. <laughs> I made a lot of movies. I made seven movies from 2005 to 2010. I mean, seven movies, and I burnt myself out. Yeah. Bad. I was just—I was at my wits' end with movies, and I decided. Well, that, and you kept trying to top yourself too. Like eventually, at
0: some point, that's just going to be
2: tough to do. Yeah, Nixon, Hogan, Smoke, Christmas was insane. Yeah. By the end, by, the climax of that movie, there's like eight characters. They're all in full monster makeup, and it's a big—you know—it's I just—I would just. I I was getting more and more ambitious and taking more and more chances by the end, but it was getting exhausting, and I still wasn't making money.
0: And you had like actual movie movie. stars flying in and stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, we flew we flew a few people in. We flew Babette Bombshell in, and I had actually uh, bought movie tickets for uh, not movie tickets, plane tickets for uh, (laughs) this dude that would go on to be in a ton of sci-fi original movies. His name's Sean C. Phillips. Oh, (laughs) are you familiar with Sean C. Phillips? He used to be a huge (laughs) fat guy, but now he's skinnier. He's cool Duder on YouTube guys are familiar with him Ooh. um he's in ghost shark oh yeah have you seen ghost shark mm-hmm. on sci-fi uh he's in all those stupid sci-fi movies uh, but anyway uh he, he i ended up becoming friends with him uh through his youtube videos i contacted him and uh, he was doing like low budget film shoots and i was like hey man can i send you some of my movies and he was like sure so i sent him uh you know i i had by that time i had like um like this uh like really streamlined version of how I would mail stuff out. Cause I mailed, um, screeners to all the movie magazines, all the movie websites that, uh, did, um, film reviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I had like this one sheet that had like all of like the, like this condensed, everything condensed onto one page. What Hack Movies was, who I was, what my vision was, all the movies, all the film festivals we'd been in, the awards we'd won. And I fit it all into one page. Oh wow. And so I would stuff that into a mailer with all the movies and I would, and I would mail that out. So I mailed that to Sean and he was like, I'm in, you know? And so I bought him a plane ticket and I bought Bab- Babette Bombshell a plane ticket to come, uh, to do another role in, uh, the cursed hack movie it came from my pants we had been been, uh, (laughs) promoting this film about a penis monster for uh it was going to be the second film after dream reaper the next thing i was going to do was it came from my pants and then we kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing Mm -hmm. it back and it eventually became the hack movies urban legend the film we would never make Mm -hmm. and then the last thing i did was bought plane tickets for these two bigger for me bigger actors um to fly in and actually play the two starring roles and uh, it came from my pants, and then that movie shoot fell apart. Oh. And, uh, and I, like, my, the, the one thing I'm the most proud of for, about Hack Movies is that once we started production on a film, it, they all finished. Every film I, I started to make, I finished making. Hmm. And that's something that a lot of low-budget filmmakers, they'll get started making a movie, and it'll just go on and on and on, yeah, just snowball. three, four, five years, and it never gets finished. And so they just have all this footage, and it never goes anywhere. I prided myself on the ability to start a production and finish it and always follow through no matter what, no matter what happened. If I had to replace an actor, if I had to replace a location, no matter what I had to do, I would I would finish. Like I said, I waited five months for a guy to grow his beard so I could finish a movie. Um, <clears throat> so uh, when we started to work on It Came From My Pants, we didn't get any footage shot, so I still... Maintain okay. that I finished every production I started, but I did buy the plane tickets, I did have the script <laughs> written, and we had the dates set set out. And I just what ended up happening at the end of Hack Movies was I worked everybody, including myself, so hard. And we went from Cockhammer, which was one of the most intense productions I had ever made, directly into uh, Nixon and Hogan Smoke Christmas, which was insane. 16 hour shoot days, back to back, full makeup. My uh, to this day, my uh, special effects. Uh, will not talk to
0: me. Oh, seriously?
2: He will not talk to me because I kept him and his uh, younger daughter out during the Nixon and Hogan Smoke Christmas shoot till after 2 in the morning. And his wife said, you are never going to do another movie for this guy. She had school the next day because it was like a Sunday and she had to go to school on Monday. And Mm -hmm. I was so... I had to be put in makeup. I was directing the scene. I was in these action scenes where I'm in full demon makeup costume with these giant horns i'm trying to memorize my lines i'm trying to get the makeup done i'm trying to make sure everybody else is ready and it just i it never occurred to me to get his daughter home and he probably mentioned it three or four times and i was just letting it go in one ear and out the other and that was the end of pj and to this day i've tried to contact him and be like listen bro i'm real sorry about i'm still (laughs) real i was immediately sorry about that and i'm still very sorry that we did that and uh his wife said nope no more You're not talking to that dude anymore. Uh, So, and it just kind of, everything ended up like that. At the end of Hack Movies, um, everybody was sick of each other. Everybody was sick of working so hard. And it was one of those things where we loved what we were doing, but I just worked everybody too hard. Where They did not want to go back-to-back-to-back feature films like that. I was trying to get us to the point where we were making three or four films a year. In one year. And uh, it just wasn't happening. And so, I kind of snapped had like an emotional breakdown and was like i'm done i'm not gonna make movies and uh, all that is to say it's been almost 10 years since, since you made i a made movie. a movie it's been almost 10 years i ended up i i, I started I had like a lucrative um uh career as a novelist yeah. for a long time and uh won some awards as a as a novelist writing weird uh books like beetle brain mm-hmm. and um
1: it's pronounced uh, Beetlejuice, but yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, what is another another good one? Texas Chainsaw Mantis mm-hmm. is a good one.
1: Robomapocalypse.
2: Apocalypse is a good one. Yeah.
0: Um, and as Vampire the, Guts. That's uh, one of my Vampire favorites. Vampire
2: Guts in Nuketown. That is a good one. I always forget about that yeah. one. That was one, one of my favorites to write. That's yeah. cool. I'd love to see that made into a video game. Ooh, that would That work. would be a kick-ass video game. If you yeah. could play his guts oh, and yeah. actually blow your guts out and kill, hey, kill, things, kill yeah. um, vampires with it as you, like, run around in, like, an open world. And, like, every... It would be almost would be like a fallout where he would find another little enclave of weird mutants <laughs> and there would be, like, a storyline you would have to solve through, you know, you would mm-hmm. have to... See which
0: ones you want to side with. and Yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be, yeah.
0: I gotta let you borrow that sometime. Fuck yeah. yeah. It's a fucking weird book, dude. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, uh... Anyway, so, um... As the years went on, dude, we started to lose members of the crew, and because once you quit something like making movies, it's always in the back of your mind. I can just go back and do it anytime I want, and one year goes by, and then two years goes by. And then five years goes by, and I still haven't made a movie. And I still haven't made a movie. And these guys would contact me all the time. Come on, dude, let's just do another. Come on, because again, they were all sick of me. Yeah. After we did two back to back really intense movies, but after five years, all they wanted to do was make a movie.
0: Right. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. And they were like, "Let's do it, dude. Let's <laughs> do it." You fucking
1: like, poetic son of a bitch! How dare you?
2: And I, but I was jet setting around these conventions and, and winning um, literary awards uh, for for my novels and stuff. And I was like. Why, why would I? It's so much easier to write a book. I could just sit in a chair and develop these entire huge universes of, uh, of, of stories and not have to worry about any of the headaches. I think filmmaking. Stephen
1: King has said that like seven or eight times at this point. <laughs>
2: Probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does a lot more cocaine than me, also.
1: Um, I mean, not anymore, but. Well, that's what he said. That's 20 years ago, yeah. That's what all drug, ago, yeah,
2: what all drug sure. addicts say. Every drug addict's going to tell you, oh, I don't do that. Don't before. you judge me, Kevin. Don't you judge me. <laughs> so, uh, started to lose them dude we lost David Wayne Black a few years ago yeah and I and I, I had this I always had this um this idea to bring uh Wolfram and Wingate back because I killed Wolfram and Wingate in Cockhammer spoiler alert uh,
1: everyone turn this podcast off right now <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: the idea was they were going to come back from hell Wolfram and Wingate were going to come back from hell and Wolfram is or Wingate played by David Wayne Black was like uh, he was like the pacifist throughout that whole movie where he was like i want to get out there they play hitmen they're, yeah. they're hitman characters mm-hmm. and they he was, the Hammer, shit, and he was the i'm too old for this and he was the i'm too old for this trope where he was like i need to get out of this i'm gonna go to tibet i'm gonna open a, a school for disabled children and shit and then they get killed at the end and it kind of might seem weird that i built those characters up over two films because the stiff jobs is all about them hmm. and then cockhammer they're very <laughs> central characters and then i just abruptly kill them And I didn't do that as a shock thing. I did that because the plan was to do a sequel to Cockhammer where Wolfram and Wingate come back, but Wingate with the powers of hell is now so powerful and so evil that even Wingate who plays the ruthless, I don't care about anybody, I'll kill anybody hitman is terrified of Wingate and he has, he has to go find some characters in Strangeville to try to um, stop Wingate's rampage through Strangeville with all, with these demonic uh, devil powers these hell powers <laughs> and then we lost David and I was like well I guess I'm never making that movie and that hurt that stung he was a good friend he was a really good guy oh yeah and he died way too young and I was like well I can't ever do that I should and, I, and I, I was full of regret I should have done that for him because I was he was one of those guys where I was like I kept wanting to give him bigger and bigger roles and um, and he was down he, he would do anything I would I would ask him to do and um and then we lost them, and I was like, I wish I would have made that movie with them. I wish I would have given him that one more big, nice, cool, because that would have brought the the uh, trajectory, like the character arc of Wolf from a Wingate back back around to where I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And as it is, it's just left hanging there, in the middle of their character arc. I've never been able to finish their story, and that that's hung with me for years, like that regret. And then last year we lost Nick, who was my who, he was Don Duette from Nixon and Hogan and he was our cinematographer and he was he would do anything I would ask him to do he would go to conventions with us he would he was the sec- set decorator of most of the movies. Yeah. Also the offered his house. That's where we did we, she, yeah. Right? We did every every exterior. We eventually started moving the interior to wherever we had mm-hmm. the an opportunity to shoot at. But we would always shoot new exteriors of that house that that is to this day the iconic Nixon Oakenhouse. Yeah. And um, and he was just he's a, he was as much hack movies as me. He lived it and breathed it. And he, together he and I developed everything you know of as hack movies. That would, that would happen in Cockhammer and Nixon and Hogan Smoke Christmas and Nixon and Hogan Meet Satan and all the different skits and things that we would do throughout the years, uh, that was as much him as it was me. It was his passion to create my vision. Wow. I would come up with the vision and then he would make that happen in reality. And when I quit making movies to write books, he was mad at me. He didn't talk to me for a few years. He was so mad that we weren't going to keep making movies. And he went around in St. Mm-hmm. St. Louis trying to find... Um, other people to make movies with and he did do a few movies. he uh, was the dire- director of photography on quite a few things oh, really? some things that were uh, critically acclaimed and uh, like he did a, a documentary he did this circus kids documentary where he followed around a group of uh, children that, that had up they did like a children's circus and uh, that would end up being a pretty critically acclaimed uh, documentary and uh, but, but we never did another hack movie and he, and it took him a while to talk to me because he was so crushed because he, put, he invested so much into it he was like, you can't walk away now and I was like, nobody wants to work nobody can't schedule anybody everybody's mad at each other every time I tell somebody they're going to be a role they tell me that's not the right role for them they want to do something different I was like, I'm sick of this I don't want to make movies anymore and he was, he was legit mad at me. He was like, fuck that bullshit. That's bullshit you're saying right now. You just need to take a break and re, you know get it together, and then we need to make our next movie. And I was just stubborn. And I just said, no, I'm going to go write books. I'm not going to do this anymore. And again, huge regret. Huge regret. Because I never thought that the day would come when we couldn't just try, do it at some point, yeah. just be like, okay, fine. I've cleared my schedule for the next year. Let's make the resurgence hack movie fact last year nick and i talked on the phone and we hadn't talked on the phone in years we were we were on speaking terms again Hmm. but uh he we didn't really have much to talk about because i wasn't making movies but then we we had this four hour long phone call last year and he had suffered a stroke but it wasn't super debilitating and i was like listen brother your health isn't the best my health isn't the best anymore we're getting too old for this shit (laughs) if we're gonna make another movie we gotta get to it we got to make this movie now because we're we're like five minutes away from being too old to be able to handle the stress and the hours of making a movie. But we can probably do one more. And he was like, yeah, what is it going to be? And I was like, I don't know. Let me get back to you. We'll figure it out. And that motherfucker died like five months later. <sighs> and it, it was like David Wayne Black times a thousand. It was like I can't ever make another movie like I did before. Even if I did make a movie now, it would never be the type of movie that Nick would help me make.
0: Yeah,
2: He was such a facilitator of my vision. I don't know if anybody is crazy enough <laughs> or has the time and focus to dedicate mm. to my vision the way he did. Yeah. So...
0: And you I, kept each other in rain a lot, too. Like, just from the times whenever I was doing movies with you
2: oh yeah yeah absolutely I would go off on my own fucking weird mm-hmm. way and he would yeah. drag me back in he he'd be upset at his... a certain
0: line or something that didn't go like the right way and then yeah he would talk to you for a bit and pull you back in like ring okay back
2: yeah. in. I, he would get upset because he would get overwhelmed with his tech stuff and I would ring him back in and mm-hmm. we really did work together and people would uh, some people uh, he was really weird he was a weird weird quirky guy and some people were like couldn't you work with somebody else and I would immediately snap no Nick is the, our dude. You don't understand. I know he's weird. I know he's walking around over there talking to himself. I get it. He looks weird. He sounds weird. He acts weird. He is our dude. And I was loyal to that guy. And I never stopped working with him. I worked with him up to the very last thing we did. He helped me uh, He helped me do. Uh, Nixon, Hogan, Meet Satan, he helped me do the, he didn't shoot that one, but he helped me do the special effects on it. Okay. Uh, The the after effects, like the uh, digital effects, because we started actually, we actually, believe it or not, we actually started putting CGI in our movies by the end. No, it's in Jurassic
1: Park. Fuck yeah. And the
2: thing about Nick, yeah, it's it's just as good as quality (laughs) as Jurassic Park. And the thing about Nick was Nick knew nothing, nothing about uh, special effects, CGI effects. And he sat down and fucking taught himself over a weekend. Holy shit. So that he could help. Damn. Because I, I was like learning, and I, but I wasn't very good. And he was like, well, hang on. Let me figure this shit out. And he went off on a weekend, watched a bunch of YouTube tutorials, bought a book on the fucking thing, and came over and he was a whiz at it. And that's just how Nick was. Whatever I needed him to be, he would be. He would just dedicate all his time, go nuts down that rabbit hole, and he would learn whatever I needed him to learn so that he could help me. And it was literally like, Nick, do that. Like, it got to a point where it was like, I just knew he would. So I would just tell him, like... Figure this impossible thing out. And he would. And every director needs that guy. Yeah. Every director needs that person on in their crew, on their set, as their as their director of photography or their first AD or, or whatever that role needs to be. You had, like, uh, Alfred Hitchcock had his wife. His wife would, like, rein everything in. He would go nuts. And she would, uh, she actually edited um, Psycho. Really? she made yeah mm-hmm. uh, his his wife edited the cut of psycho that was the theatrical cut cuz he was he was screening it and it was a mess and people weren't responding to it the way he wanted it to wanted them to and he thought his career was over he thought he blew it with with this uh, with this novel novel uh, mm-hmm. film adaptation of the novel and his wife cut the the uh, the version that we know of today and um and so she was like that for him she, and there and everybody has that everybody has that person every filmmaker has that person that's like I have to do the impossible. Please get it done for me. And for me, that was Nick. And so losing him was like, it didn't matter that ten years had gone by since we made a movie to me, because it went by like that. My life is so fucking crazy that years go by like months because I'm so I keep myself so busy. And so I was on the road promoting these books, writing these novels. I once wrote a novel. I once wrote, wrote a thirty-five thousand word novel in four days. I flew Damn. to the I flew to the uh, to the West Coast and the, like my. Uh, my weird, bizarro fiction, um, like, idol is this dude named Carlton Mellick, and he writes weird shit like um, uh, Baby Jesus Butt Plug, and um, I Knocked Up Satan's Daughter, and The Haunted Vagina. He, he wrote all these weird fucking books. Okay. And, uh, and he was kind of like, he was like my inspiration for getting into writing. I was like, if he can write this shit, then I can write my weird shit. And I eventually became friends with him. And he eventually invited me out to uh, write on the Oregon coast with him at a beach house. Really? And so I flew out to Oregon, and and he's known for marathon writing, where he'll just rent a hotel room, and he'll write for four days, five days, six days, and he'll marathon write from the time he wakes up until the time he goes to sleep every single day until a book is done. And he'll be in that book from the first word to the last word, and he'll be in it intensely. And I would see interviews with him talking about that. I was like, I need to try that. And so I did it myself a few times, okay. where I would go rent a hotel, and I would write in his method, and I really liked it. And so I, I, we ended up being friends, and I was like, hey, man, I really like that method, and I know you like, sometimes go to this beach house to write now. How would you feel about me coming out and, and doing that with you? And he was like, oh, absolutely, anytime you want. And so we set a date, and uh, I went down there, I think it was May 2017. I flew into Oregon, we drove down to uh, the coast, we rented a beach house, and uh, I I wrote my novel, I Died in a Bed of Roses, uh, which is about 35,000 words, and I wrote it in four days. And then I started Beetlebrain. I wrote the first 5,000 words of Beetlebrain, uh, because we had the beach house for uh, seven days. Wow. And so I wrote, so four days I wrote the one novel, and then I spent the next two days writing the next, uh, a little bit of the next novel, and then we partied. And when I say partied, I mean we ate um, crab legs and watched... um, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies on VHS. Hell yeah. (laughs) The only thing, so he has this whole rule of no cell phones, no internet when he's in a marathon. So you can't have a cell phone or internet either. If you're there. If you're going to go in there with him, you go in dark. So we we shut down from the world, locked the doors. It was just he and I. And the only thing that this, because it was like an Airbnb thing where we rented somebody else's beach house. Okay. And all they had was a TV, a VCR, and a bunch of VHS Rob uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, and so we watched. <laughs> GCVD. We watched Time Cop. We watched uh yeah. Target. We watched, We watched. Uh, they ended up having. Um, they had the Burbs. Tom Hanks is the Burbs. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a great film, by really? the way. I love you the understand? Burbs. I don't know that one, no. Oh, it's great.
1: Horror oh, comedy. the Burbs oh. is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really
2: funny horror comedy. It's about uh, Tom Hanks' uh, neighbor. Gets all paranoid that these weirdos that moved in across the street are murderers. And uh, through the course of the film, Tom Hanks is like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Eventually, Tom Hanks is more paranoid than his neighbor. And they, <laughs> it's great. It's okay. a great, it's a great movie. Uh, oh, I'll check it's it It's fucking out. fantastic. Joe Dante, the director oh, yeah, of Burbs. Grimmons? Yeah. He directed that movie. So, um. Yeah, it's a great film, but anyway, so I'm, I'm off, uh, uh, we're on Joe Dante now, and I'm trying to, I, I was on Nick. <laughs> oh, anyway, so uh, so when I say party, my kind of party is we ate crab legs and watched John Claude Van movies. I don't do drugs, I don't drink, I am 100% dedicated to making weird shit, and uh, so I was off doing shit like that, and the years just crept by. And eventually 10 years had passed, but that doesn't mean that I didn't always think, oh yeah, I can make a movie tomorrow if I want. I'll call Nick and we'll get everybody together, we'll get the band back together as it were, yeah. and we'll do a, 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 at least one more movie. And then I got the fucking, I didn't even get a phone call. This is fucking nuts. I was watching one of my friends play volleyball, and she uh, she had a bar as her sponsor the volleyball team so, okay. the, so the, the bar was the shirts, shirts. Yeah. and the deal was at the end of a uh, of a game of volleyball the whole team would go and buy a, one drink at least one drink at the bar that sponsored them and that's why that's why the bar sponsored them
0: okay so
2: after the volleyball game we all went i went with her we all went to this other bar the sponsor bar to uh to have a drink and when i walked in a mutual friend of me and nick's was there and he said, "Are you here for Nick?" And I said, "Here for Nick. Where's Nick at?" He said, "Dude, Nick's dead." I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "He died like three hours ago, and Oof. everybody's getting together here to talk about it, like at all." So his friends start ushering in. I stumbled in accidentally to my one of my best friends' wakes, yeah, like a formal saying, wake. At the you point.
1: just had the, like an Irish wake for him, basically. Like, basically, yeah. They, they all got together it, yeah. to
2: drink and you know get blind drunk and talk about their buddy. And mm. I didn't even. It wasn't even on purpose. I, I don't know if, if I would have found out for, you know, a week, a month, a year. I might still not know that the dude was, because he was very private. Yeah. He ended up moving out into the country, country, country. Oh, really? And that's why nobody ever talked to him. When I got him on the phone and talked to him for the four hours that night, we hadn't talked for a while because he just would disappear off in the country where he moved to. And um, so it was, it was like, really weird that I, like, that, like, fate put me in his, at his wake uh, completely randomly yeah. by chance. And it hit me hard, dude. I never, I could, I couldn't process it. I kept thinking, if I had, because I don't know, it was like some kind of comp. I don't wanna really want to talk about why or how he died. Yeah, yeah, but right. it was, um, it was complications from drinking. He drank a lot, and in, in his last few years, and all I could think of was if I had kept making movies with him, would he have? Would that have kept him from the bottle? Would that have kept him alive? Would he still be alive today if I hadn't? Because he was—I told you—he was so mad at me.
0: Yeah.
2: When when I walked away from filmmaking, because that was his life. He made it his life. He dedicated his life to my vision, and I walked away from it. And he and I don't know if, if he ever had anything else like that. And he turned. And I don't know if that's why he turned to alcohol. Right. But he did, and and it weighed on me. And I felt so guilty for a long time after he died, for months and months. I couldn't stop thinking if if was this my fault. Is my friend's death my fault? And I got this idea to resurrect the Hack Movies universe as a comic book series so that I could bring my friend back. And so that I could write myself into the story, and I could write him into the story, and I could apologize to him in the fictional universe of the comic book. And I hadn't drawn a picture since I was 20 years old. I totally did not have any artistic talent at all. And I, at first I started to um, try to contact comic book illustrators, indie illustrator guys. I went to Fiverr and tried to find guys in India <laughs> that were willing to work cheap uh, as, as illustrators. And they're on there. I don't know if you've ever been on oh. Fiverr before, but if you ever need anything done, go to Fiverr. They'll do it cheap. <laughs> uh, all of them, even the India guys, wanted too much money. Okay, they wanted. It, well, it's not that they wanted too much money because they wanted what they're worth, and I'm not trying to say they're not worth that. Okay. The thing about the comic book industry, even the the indie comic guys, is they want it all up front. So they might they might want to they might lowball themselves and say I'll do I'll do a whole I'll do your comic book for thirty dollars a page, but if you're if if you've got a hundred a hundred page graphic novel, that's three thousand dollars, and they want it up front. They're not going to. They don't want to do the risk. They don't want to do the work. And then you say, oh, well, we'll split it 50-50 on the back end. We'll sell it, and I'll give you half the rights. They don't want to do that because a lot of comic books, once they're done and they get put up on these Indiegogo and Kickstarter pages, don't make their money. Yeah. And so these guys have done this all this illustration work, and it's, they haven't gotten paid. For nothing, yeah. They haven't gotten paid. Yeah, now, they're
1: making money moves, for sure.
2: So, yeah, they like the money. They had the, the flip phones <laughs> <laughs> with the <laughs> keyboards back in the day. Uh, so, I, and so everybody, it was like door slam, door slam, three grand, four grand, five grand. And I just don't have that kind of money to put up for this comic book, uh, this like tribute to my friend. And, uh, so I was talking to my roommate who's a tattoo artist and he's like, man, I've seen the stuff you used to draw when you, when you were younger, you can do it. I was like, no, I can't, I can't do it. I've never even tried Never even like when I was a kid, I wanted to draw comics, but I never got very good. And by the time I was in high school the uh, the other like comic book nerds were so much better. Like they could draw like Todd McFarlane. They were like drawing Spawn and Batman and Spider Man, like looking like they were comic book artists. And I was still in a crude, crude uh, you know, I was not uh, the, t- the talent Roughness. was not bubbling yeah, the talent was not bubbling out of me. And uh, and so I quit. And I shouldn't have, but I did. I, I let the I, I compared myself to them and instead of there's like a there's like a saying try to get one percent better every day, and that's you're competing with yourself. You should anything you're gonna do in life, you should only ever compete with yourself, and you should just try to get one percent better at it every day, and you'll get and then eventually you'll get there. You know tomorrow comes yeah. every day. <laughs> tomorrow turns into tomorrow turns into tomorrow, and that one percent turns into fifty percent, and eventually you're a hundred percent better. Then you're five hundred percent better. Then you're a thousand percent better than you than you ever were if you just work towards. 1% a day. I didn't have that attitude when I was in high school, and I, and I compared myself to them. I was envious of their talent. I didn't work as hard as they did. I didn't have the talent that they did. And I didn't know back then it's like, talent, uh, there's, there's like innate talent where you can just like pick up something and you're really good at it without really trying. 90% of people don't have that like genius, or you would call it like a savant level ability. Most of us have to work really, really hard. And I didn't know that back then. I didn't know that like if I wanted to get good at it, good at it, I was going to have to work, you know, eighty hours to their ten hours. And I didn't have that work ethic back then. So my roommate is going, um, you know, you could do that. And I was like, I would have to, do, I would have to like put that that positive mental attitude to work and throw everything in my life away and just concentrate on drawing for the next year if I wanted to make a comic book. And he's like, Yeah. And your point?
1: And you were like, Fuck that. Yeah, I was
2: like, Well, at the time, I was like, Hi, I'm a novelist, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop writing novels so I can, you know, spend a year trying to get better at uh, at drawing uh, comics. And he was like, "Why not?" So I was like, oh, "Fuck." And so now I actually have a business card now, and the logo of my comic book company is a picture of me shrugging and saying, "I guess I'll draw it myself." <laughs> <Because> <laughs> that is fucking excellent. Because Hell that's yeah. that's the that's the mentality that I I eventually said, "Fuck it, I guess I'll draw it myself." And I'm still not good. By any matter of means, I am not a good comic book artist, but I have only been fucking with this shit for a year. I will get better, and I'll, maybe I'll never get good, but I'll never have that attitude I had in high school where I'll quit because other people are better than me. Yeah. I have a style. I already have found a style.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And you're,
2: if you look at Kevin Strange art, you're going to know what you're looking at because I've, I'm developing <laughs> this like really specific style.
1: I was going to say, I mean, let me just respectfully disagree, because I saw the Indiegogo, I saw a little bit of the, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here?
2: Artwork? Yeah. Panels? A little bit of the Pages? artwork,
1: the uh, annals, the panels, the annals? whatever you want to call <laughs> <laughs> No, but in all honesty, I feel like you're doing really good artwork. I mean, I looked at what I saw, and I thought it was really fucking good, and um, I mean, I understand that you want to talk shit on yourself to push yourself to a higher goal and that's awesome but then to say that you're not a good artist is crazy because clearly you are a good artist so
2: well i appreciate that there's a lot better out there in indie comics right now but the thing about indie i comics, didn't say
1: you were the best yeah. i said you are a good and I, I never will be and that's fine <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna be the best i can be i'm gonna be
2: the best kevin strange artist i could be and that's all i care about I'm going for, like, a weird Rick and Morty style. I'm going for way more of an animation style mm-hmm. in comics than I am trying to do, like, a like a 90s superhero Todd McFarlane or um, Jim Lee. I'm not going for that style. I'm not trying to draw superheroes. I'm drawing the Weird Hack Movies universe. And the draw to it was so that I could do a tribute to Nick, so that I could bring him back to life in the comic books. And my... So I wrote the script for it. And the challenge I, I put... Put myself up to was draw the first split into three issues. Draw the first issue, and if it's passable, if you look at it and say this is good enough, then you'll go on and do the second issue and the third issue. And I finished the first issue a few months ago, Hmm. and it's good enough. Yeah, and I'm actually almost done with the colors on the second issue. So the first issue is 32 pages, 32 full color pages. It's available on Indiegogo right now. It's the it's dead shit retold as a comic book. Hmm. Andrew is in this comic book. and oh, yeah, No, is... we actually
1: just tweeted out the uh, uh, link for it.
2: Awesome, thank you. Um, you're actually the main zombie that they fight in the first issue. You yeah. make up the bulk of the first issue. How do, how do you feel about that?
0: It's insane. Like, you uh, sent me the cover art, and it's like, oh my god, that's me. Yeah. Like, you can instantly, like, that... I mean, I, definitely, I could have done that if you would have directed me well enough. I could have done that with my arms.
2: <laughs> well, I that's think a, in real life. That's the cool part yeah. about the, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we had, uh, we had twenty dollars to throw around uh, for the, for the movie back mm. in the day. Yeah. But in the comic book uh, recreation, the adaptation of the dead shit uh, story, I could do whatever I want. Yeah. And so, uh, in the, in the movie, the talisman of Tikinaya isn't really anything. It's just sort yeah. of a MacGuffin doesn't really have any purpose other than to like defeat the villain <clears throat> at the end. Mm. Um, I wanted to give it more more meaning in this story to, 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 to allow the, this is like what the feature film version of Dead Shit would have been. With, with my talent now, because mm. I've, I've, I've refined my storytelling techniques by writing all these novels for the last decade, now I can tell a pretty good story. Yeah. I may not be that great at art, a pretty good story. I'm an award-winning novelist now. So I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty proud of my, and maybe 10 years from now, I could come back here and say, come back to this award. Maybe you guys will be an award-winning podcast. No, one that's One of the like biggest in the <laughs> world by then. I can yeah. come back and say, look, I'm an award-winning artist. Yeah. And maybe I'll actually be proud of my uh, my art skills instead of just saying, eh, I guess I'll do it myself. Um,
1: no, I think you should keep that, though. I actually kind of like that sort of <laughs> like punk rock, sort of like, you know, pull yourself up sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Attitude,
2: mentality Attitude, thank you Yes, Yeah, exactly. that's, how, that's yeah. how we've done everything That's how we did the movies That's how I did the novels. Oh, thing.
1: see, see I actually am somebody who owns a DVD copy of Dead Shit So, you know I mean, I am technically a fan I have one yeah.
2: There's one yeah. Still One still exists <laughs> one, we, call it, we call you Hack Minions Hell yeah There's one Hack Minion I am minion the one Hack
1: Minion <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one hackman who is also praying to God I can somehow get a role in someday,
2: maybe in the comic book. I don't know. About, I don't know if there'll ever be another movie, but hack <laughs> ah. movies has been resurrected as a comic book universe. There we go. We're and Andrew good. and Andrew did get a starring role in the uh, in the first issue. Uh-huh. What did you think when I first started texting you those pictures?
0: It was really wild. Like, it, like you said, he, Zach mentioned also. Like, it's it's better than I expected, you know. And it's like it's only getting better. Whenever you got me the full PDF of the comic, it's like. Holy shit! Like you can tell, like even with the the full color on it and everything, it's 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 really cool, yeah, and did okay. yeah, uh, man, it's just passable. <laughs> it is, for sure. It doesn't
2: need, like, fantastic or realistic yeah, art cause Exactly. it's hack movies. It's nuts. Absolutely. The the new storyline is the talisman is now the talisman of transmutation, and anything it touches, it mutates. And so instead of just getting your arms ripped off and beat to death with mm-hmm. them, in the new story, uh, you the talisman actually falls on you, and your arms grow these huge, long noodle arms. Tentacles, and, yeah. tentacle arms, and raise and grab Nixon and Hogan by the throat and raise them way up in the uh, air above the house, like half a mile into the air, yeah. and they end up, like, sliding down your arm. And, and, and you end up ripping your arms off, and then they use, the, but then they use the arms as whips and lassos, yeah, and they kill like twenty zombies instead of just you. Yeah. The and
1: then an anime girl runs in, and she gets you know fucking raped by the hentai uh, <laughs> tentacles. It's, it's fucking crazy, guys. You guys, you guys gotta check it out. I don't
2: know if that's a, a perfect representation of the of the comic book, but close enough. Close I'm making up.
1: my own director's cut. I apologize. <laughs> the
2: uh, the comic. So this is what I wanted to do. Nobody's ever seen a comic book from me before.
0: No.
2: I haven't messed with the Hack Movies universe in 10 years. I wanted to do this Indiegogo campaign because indie comics are really big on the crowdfunding platforms right now. This is like the model of indie comics. is You put your team together, you crowdfund your comic... Fund it, you pay for it, you send it out, and you move on to the next one. And it's, there There are uh, a few indie comic guys. There's a dude named Ethan Van Skyver who did a com- an indie comic. He, he used to work for DC. And he used to draw, um, he drew Green Lantern. He's yeah. drawn Batman and Catwoman.
1: Oh, I'm in. We're good.
2: <laughs> he he went off on his own. He quit DC, went off on his own, and he created this comic book character named Cyberfrog. And he raised $600,000 for, for Cyberfrog. And there's another guy named um, uh, John C. Meyer who created a comic book uh, called Jawbreakers, and he raised $450,000 through IndieGoes. I think I've read Jawbreakers, actually. That uh, sounds very familiar. You may have. It, it, they're they're huge. They're like making, I mean, these are legit Indie Comics competing with the big two. They're, that's how big Indie Comics can be right now. Oh yeah, And no, of so course. I was like, okay, I'm going to jump into that model. But I'm not all that good. Nobody's heard of hack movies for 10 years. I'm going to set this as low as possible. So the Indiegogo campaign, we're only looking for $500. Yeah. That's the lowest you can set it. Most people, like I said, they raise the money, then they pay the artist, then they draw the book, then they ship ship the book. I drew the book and finished the book and got the book shipped to me before I even put the Indiegogo campaign together. there is a, This is a no-risk campaign. book is done, it's printed, it's in my office, it's waiting to ship. So when you buy this book, you are guaranteed this book. It, the first issue of three. And like I said, I'm already at the color phase of the uh, second issue. So the, sec, the first issue is 32 pages, the second issue is 36 pages, and I'm almost done with the second issue already. The third issue is written, and I'll be moving on to it and finishing it as soon as I finish the second issue. So... This, is, this, this trilogy of, of dead shit comics, the three-issue series, will be finished no matter what. It, it is already more than halfway drawn. The first issue, the one I'm asking, I'm only asking $8 for it. Yeah. Most of these indie comics, whether they're 32 pages or 60 pages, most of these indie comics go anywhere from 15 to $25. I set mine at 8 because, again, I want this to be no risk. I want you to feel like that 8 bucks is well spent. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a lot of money. Or you can go digital. For only two dollars. Wow. For only two dollars. you And and then as soon as the campaign finishes, the campaign finishes on April 17th. If you throw that two dollars in and buy this comic book for, uh, for the two bucks, you immediately get it in your email. There's no risk. You're yeah. getting this comic book. It's just a matter of me emailing you the file. The file's sitting on Google Drive waiting for me to email it to you right now. So this is absolutely no risk. And I hope that when you read the first issue, um, I do this weird thing where... Um, I am a character in the comic book in the first uh, part of the of the of each issue that sort of introduces you to the world and introduces you to the characters and I talk about Nick's death and I talk about how I wanted to bring Don Dewepe back and have him fight Nixon and Hogan again as a uh, as a, a respectful send-off to my friend and the ability to resurrect him as a character and still be able to communicate with my friend in some weird way through the the comic book the, through the medium of art. And while we made films together, I still feel like there's an intrinsic connection between Absolutely, uh, yeah. the films and the comics that are going to allow me to sort of um, keep that connection with my friend alive and keep Nick's memory alive. So you're not only helping uh, support a really cool, weird comic book, but you're also helping me keep my friend's sort of spirit alive. Yeah. And this is, um, again, like, since this is like the feature retelling of it, the third comic goes completely off the rails. Is nothing like the movie ending. Nice. So the the third act of this comic, the third issue, is going to be so fucking weird. Oh, and man. Don Duette ends up so fucking cool. Because again, like I made this comic for Nick. Yeah. This is Nick's show. And so I have this arc for Don Duette where by the time we get to the third issue, Don Duette is so fucking cool. If everybody doesn't love him in this comic, I didn't do my job right. By the end, you should be like, fuck yeah, Don Dwebe, even though he's the villain. Uh, um, yeah, so that's my pitch, man. That's man, the, that's the history of hack movies. That's the whole reason I started making comics. I barely let you guys talk.
0: No,
1: that's great. We did an hour and a half before you. Is
2: there anything I missed? Is there anything you guys want to talk about that's not that?
1: Can I ask you some uh, you can questions? Ask me as many as you want. Excellent. Okay, so you're, uh, I don't want to say ex filmmaker. But uh, you were a used-to-be filmmaker. Does that sound less shitty? I am a, I'm a filmmaker on hiatus. Fair. Okay. So you're a filmmaker on hiatus? For hi- ten years. Okay.
2: Twice as long as I made movies.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, give me just off the top of your head, you know, no thoughts. That's no, easy. No. No. I don't have any of those anyway. No judgments. Give me three favorite filmmakers.
2: Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson, and Quentin Tarantino, and Kevin Smith. There's four.
1: Okay, those now, are like my four big influences. Now, those are the
2: those are the people that influenced me to take my violence to the absolute extreme, to the point that it's like slapstick, like uh, Warner Brothers cartoonish. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not the guy that would like. I never wanted to hang out on those gore sites online mm-hmm. and like look at dead bodies and like and like violence and stuff like that. That stuff freaks me out. But you show me like Peter Jackson's Dead Alive where the baby like rips out of the zombie mother's face. I love Dead Alive. That shit is so fucking funny to me. I love monsters and I love gore, but I'm a pussy. I don't like I don't like ghost movies because they scare me. All the stupid jump scares catch me every time. And I'm like, ah, 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 that's not fun for me. I'm just like (laughs) ten seconds from I'm a I'm a large man for the podcast audience. I am a fat man. I can't afford to be scared like that. I'm two chicken wings away from a heart attack as it is. <laughs> so I like my monster movies to be <clears throat> weird and over the top and funny. And so Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi have that covered. Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith. Obviously, I talk a lot. I have a lot to say, and they have a lot to say. And so they, my dialogue, and, and I, I tried to channel it into the comic books where the word balloons like fill up the entire pages of these comics because my characters just never stop they never shut the
1: fuck up let me just say because of those four answers you just gave me the next 10 minutes are going to be a hand job so <laughs> let's do this <laughs> no i just want to say i mean granted this is the first time that i've met you i feel like i know you a little bit just because me and Varble have been kind of close for uh, you know a decent amount of time couple days Fair, um, but I just uh, you know I, I have also seen several of your films, so I am a fan. And uh, can I just um, blatantly beg, if you ever get back into filmmaking, can I please get a role? Absolutely, excellent. All right, I, like I
2: said, I throw everybody a bone. Yeah, I'll put you doing. in a little role, so you, so if you fuck me over, it doesn't ruin the movie. But the more the more uh, that you you show up on time. You don't complain. You're enthusiastic. You offer helpful stuff for the rest of. Because like when when um, when like Eric and Joe would show up on set to work, they would work. They would grab the other actors and they would all rehearse lines together. And I'd wander around trying to look for my actors, and they'd all be doing their lines together, like without me even having to prompt them to do it. That's the kind of stuff that gets people more roles in my movies. So if you show up, like I had this one person. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say who. I'm not even gonna Andrew Varble. No, absolutely not Andrew. <laughs> I had an actor literally tell me, can't we shoot this at my house? Uh, we're just shooting it against a white wall. What? Ma- why does it matter what wall? Let's just do all my stuff at my house so I don't have to be here. Eesh. Never worked with that actor again.
1: I mean, I was never just making... Never invited them back. I was just doing a bit, but I, I, w- <laughs> I will say that I was... I didn't really beat it,
2: but you know. <laughs> now that we're talking
1: about it. I was just doing a bit, but I, I will say I was in musical theater for seven years. So,
2: Well, I uh, always wanted to do a musical. So Did you really? Yeah. Huh? We never got a chance to do a musical. Uh, unless you count our masturbation scene together. I mean... Uh, yeah. A musical. We'd, we're, we were making quite the noise. So <laughs>
0: We sure were. <laughs> Man... <laughs> We shot that forever, too. Like it, We people, shot we,
1: it and shot it. And people throwing were like, man, ropes the scene does not count as music. People were like,
0: oh, man, this, this scene goes on for a while. I was like, you should have been there for we filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> we went through, like, four bottles of conditioner. Let's get it from this angle. Let's yeah. get it from that angle. <laughs> no,
1: I had a great moment with with my girlfriend at one point. Like, when we moved into our new house, where she saw the DVD of Dead Shit. And she was those, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, that's a movie that... What kind that, of porno uh, is this? I was like, that's a movie that uh, Varble is in. And she's no, like, it's not a
2: porno. Really? Listen, it's about a guy that fucks a zombie girl and... What kind of porno is this? <laughs> it's way different! You don't understand! Get out of my house!
1: <laughs> I, I made her sleep out on the lawn for oh, no. two days just to oh, teach geez. her a lesson. Jeez.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna pull a Zach here. Go for it. Get all narcissistic. Do it. How great was it working with me?
2: a lot of fun. Tons of fun.
0: You don't
1: have to lie. There's there's
2: There's a type of camaraderie that develops on a film set that's unlike many other friendships where you guys almost feel like you've, you know, not to, not to, uh, Discount or minimize like what people go through in war, but, but you've gone feels, to war, yeah.
1: That's but exactly it feels what like, like <laughs> it feels you know
2: we we went through something together, and and what I would always tell people because remember I would do those like inspirational like let's get them team mm-hmm. like speeches oh, yeah. before some of the shoots that were like going to be particularly intense. We created things that were bigger than any of us as individuals. I could never make a movie by myself. And I could, I did, I did. I made yeah. one called zombage where I play all the roles, <laughs> <laughs> but it's five minutes long and it's, it's stupid. But anyway, it takes a, it's, it's an ensemble. It takes the group, and the group all has to put their concentrate their energy in one direction, and you work day after day, and you work hard, and you practice, and you really put something of yourself onto the screen. And when you end up together, when it's finally done and it's cut together, and you get to sit and screen it for the first time, you do that cast screening together, mm-hmm. it makes you feel together with your castmates in a, in a mm-hmm. way that very few other things in life have ever made me feel. Yeah. And so you asked me, how did it feel working with you? Well, it felt great, and I think that we'll always have this bond oh, for, for sure. the rest of our lives that's just, like, different than other friendships, where, like, anytime we're going to run in the same place, it's like, yeah, you know, we went through that together.
0: Absolutely. And that's a good point you brought well. Uh, that cast screening was one of my highlights of the entire filmmaking process, just sitting around and seeing, like, all the hard work and stuff that we did turned into this. Like, it yeah. was really neat.
2: And it's like it's bigger than the sum of its parts. It's almost yeah. like a spiritual, not to get too silly, but it's almost like a spiritual uh, feeling for me. Is that I feel, you know, seeing this all done together and it took all these people to do it. And it, and it was so hard. Everything works against you when you're making a movie. The weather works against you. The, uh, the Everyone's personal lives works against you. Um, just the act of of creating an artificial environment in front of a camera lens is so difficult that when you're finally at the end of it, you're like, this is nuts. Like, t- to this day, I watch those movies and I go, how the fuck did I do that? <laughs> how did we pull that off? Because it's just, it's so much bigger than any one of us as individuals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, excellent. Again. Babe, did you have a question at all? no? Nope. She doesn't have one. A... Yeah. So, uh, let me uh, just give a giant Thank you to Kevin. Absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on to our podcast, brother. No,
2: I, I appreciate you guys having me, Let me uh, sit here and ramble for.
1: Do you want to plug a little bit? I mean, yeah, feel go out feel free. How do Edit. they find you
0: on Indiegogo?
2: Yeah, you you can search for Dead Shit on Indiegogo. Hopefully these guys uh, put up a link on the to the podcast. Yeah, it happened about 3 hours oh, ago, right. Bubba. So uh, that's that. Uh, Kevin the Strange, Kevinthestrange.com is sort of the hub of all things hack movies, uh, the comic book world, which I call Kevin Strange Comics for now. It might end up being a hack movies related thing later. I'm just sort of feeling it out. Okay. Um, you can also find all my novels there. My novels are all on Amazon, but the links are all on my website. And I have a, a newsletter that you can sign up for really easily. There's a there's a form where you can sign up for the newsletter. And that, you'll just sort of get everything from me. I, I send that out. I try to send it out once a month. Sometimes I go two or three months without sending anything out <clears> if, <I don't, throat> if I'm not working on anything at the time. But uh, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll, any like real pertinent stuff that happens uh, in, the, uh, in the Strangeville universe, you'll be contacted. Um, and that's really the best. I, I'm not, not a big fan of social media. I'm on a few of them. Um, I'm actually going to try to and make a concerted effort over the next year to really push Instagram because I think that that's the best medium for the comic, for a comic book creator. I'm actually going to do some web comics that are just exclusive to Instagram. Excellent. So uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, search for Kevin, the strange on Instagram, That link is also available on the website. You can find that, um, I'm on sporadically on the other social medias. I do have a YouTube channel and whatever I've, I've had my own, there's podcast episodes on, um, the, uh, the website where I used to do um, uh, readings, I used to do audiobook readings of the uh, novels and I did them like weekly, like serials where I'd do a podcast and then I'd do like 20 minutes of a novel and then the next week I'd do a podcast and do another 20 minutes of a novel oh, neat. and so you can like listen to my novels like, that's awesome. like, like serialized um, and I did maybe four novels that way, but that's really hard doing an audiobook sucks oh, I <laughs> having to do all those voices and everything and then an audiobook sometimes takes four or five six hours like edited
0: yeah yeah those <laughs>
2: things are long and that uh, takes it out of me so I kind of stopped doing that. There's a lot of my novels that haven't been it's like on my to-do list that never ends my this the straight the to-do list for Strangeville is never ending. Uh, But yeah, so KevinTheStrange.com has a bunch of stuff. Audiobooks, links to the novels, Uh, you can uh, buy all the hack movies, they're back for sale again. Nice. Um, They were gone for a while, you couldn't couldn't buy them. And uh, I found a a website that um, will mass produce them for me. Oh really? You go to the website, you... um,
0: So it wasn't anything where you lost any footage or anything? No, no, no. I just
2: just wasn't, because I used to burn them myself. I would burn the discs myself, and if you ordered, you know, I had like a PayPal link, and if you ordered a hack movie, I personally put it in a mailer Mailed it to you. Well, I found a service that'll do that for me now. So and you
1: then you it, sold out. Yeah. Yeah, then I sold out to a service. And now <laughs> if
2: you buy a hack movie, they package it and they send it to you. And I don't have to do the actual uh, footwork on that. So um,
1: thanks, corporate. Yeah. That <laughs> corporate corporate <laughs> Strangeville comes to the rescue.
2: So, yeah, man, KevinThestrange.com. You get all that stuff. All right.
1: Okay. Now, real quick, I have one very important question to ask Kevin. Okay. Kevin? Yes. Favorite DC superhero?
2: Uh, favorite DC superhero has always been and always will be Batman. I we're
1: think, good. I, I think Batman, we're good. We're good. I, I think that's Batman
2: fine. is one of those weird characters, like the samurai, where there can every generation has a Batman. Every generation has a Batman versus the Joker. That, that's just a—it's a timeless story for some weird reason. Like a guy dressed up as a bat. You wouldn't—it's so <laughs> stupid. You wouldn't think that that is like somehow this like timeless iconic character, but it is. Batman is so fluid, it works with every generation, and it will work with every generation to come. There will always be a new iteration of Batman, and every iteration of Batman is cool. You go back to the Adam West Batman, cool. You Love go to the, the 80s Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman, Fucking cool. great. The Christian Bale Batman, eh, but cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was, it, his voice was fucking terrible. That was, well, his voice was terrible, and the fact that he couldn't invent shit on his own kind of irritated yeah. the fuck out of me.
2: Yeah, but Heath Ledger's Joker, fantastic. I think The Dark Knight is the best of any... Any. I think that's the best Batman movie. I'm kind
1: are you, are you of... Uh, no, the fan? best Batman movie was Mask the Phantasm.
2: Oh, but... okay. Well, the Animated Series, I think, is the best. That's... Uh, what was it? What was Tim... Uh, who, who's the producer of... Uh, Tim Lim? Is that the... I forget the producer's name. But, yeah, he, he created... I mean, that's where Harley Quinn came from, was yeah. the Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. There are some... I mean, uh, I, I was first introduced to uh, Clayface... And uh, Man Bat, and.
1: uh, You know who voiced Clayface in those uh, animated films, didn't you? No, who? It was. um, This may be one of the only
2: things you're going to stump me with, because I know my (laughs) fucking movies.
1: It was the original player of uh, Hellboy.
2: Really? Not, Not. What? Ron Perlman?
1: Yeah. That was Ron Perlman. That was Ron Perlman, buddy. Are you serious? Yes, 100%. That makes Clayface
2: even cooler.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? How fucking cool is they that shit? They ended up winning
2: an Emmy for for the animation for the Clayface. Yeah, for uh,
1: Heart of Ice. That's what they won an Emmy for. It was um, uh, Mr. Freeze's backstory. That was a fucking good one. Dude. It's it, it's an amazingly poetic fucking uh, Shakespearean story. Fuck it's yeah. beautiful.
2: You know what another good one was? Hmm. Under the Red Hood.
1: One of my favorite ones of all time, man. I I still read the Red Hood and the Outlaw comics to this day. I think they're fucking amazing. Jason Todd is one of my favorite Robins of all time. So, uh, I just fell in love with Kevin, just so everybody knows. (laughs) A man of my own I'm going to be
0: replaced. You're going to probably be the new permanent host. Hey...
1: It's the K to Z podcast, everybody. <laughs> the K to Z podcast.
0: You heard it here, folks. It still I'm sounds like A in. to Z.
1: It's got that A in it. So. K to Z, the A to E. Who knows what's going to happen? We're just swapping partners. <laughs> K to Z and A to E. We'll there we go. Okay. Marvel and I will just talk about fucking Sanderson books, and it will be great. There you go. All right, guys. Uh, let me just give one more giant thank you to Kevin. Really appreciate you coming on to the podcast, brother. It was, uh, been a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Make sure to get out there, get on that Indiegogo. We just tweeted it out. I mean, by the time you hear this, it'll be last week. But still, it was just <laughs> tweeted out. It was
2: tweeted out just last week, gang. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, make sure to get up on on that. It was also in the, um, description. description of the podcast. And, uh, do anything you can to support not just Kevin's, but any kind of, uh, just fucking punk rock awesome uh, comic books. Just get out there, throw some money at it, let some artists make let some artists be artists for the love of God.
2: Can I give a few shout outs here? Of course, uh, please. For the In the indie comics world, the guys you need to look for right now Doug Tenaple, the creator of Earthworm Jim, he's doing a new comic book. I fucking love
1: Doug That's one of my favorite games of all time. Well, I love doing, Earthworm Jim. He's doing Jim. a new
2: series called Bigfoot Bill that he's going to turn into a video game. Fuck. And, and if you got in on the campaign, which you did not, uh, nope. maybe he'll do it for the second one. But he's actually building us a level of the, the Bigfoot Bill video game that's going to be playable uh, when the campaign is uh, is completed here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and i got in on it so i get to play the bigfoot bill game, which is <laughs> which is done with the same creators the same uh, game designers as the earthworm gym the original earthworm gym well game. why don't you brag about it um, <laughs> <laughs> so look for bigfoot bill and uh doug today he's on youtube does a bunch of shows on there he's awesome i was actually on his show last week uh talking to him about uh comics and art and everything and uh an earthworm gym uh that's a good one there's another one um a dude named Donald Delay and Nasser Rabbi are doing a really cool throwback. If you're a fan of like, um, if you're a fan of uh, Lobo, uh, or I fucking Trencher. love Lobo. Fuck yeah, I love Lobo. <laughs> or Trencher, if you're a big Image Comics guy, like uh, you're probably too young for that. Back in the mid '90s, there was a series called uh, Trencher through um, uh, through Image that was really cool. And they're doing uh, a comic like a '90s throwback comic called um, Brutus the Badass. That's definitely worth checking out. That's one that I backed. Um, there's a dude talking about um, Batman the Animated Series. There's a guy named uh, Josh Howard who does a really, he, he does like a stylized cell animation style of, uh, of art that s- reminds me a lot of Batman the Animated Series from the, from the art perspective. Right he on. did a series that made him famous called um, uh, Dead at Seventeen. It was a comic book series, but he did it. He's got a new one, a new Indiegogo called T Bird and Throttle, which is like a superhero series, but it's like real dramatic, where it's like this <laughs> this guy. Oh like, shit!
1: I just thought of the name we we were trying to get five minutes ago. What's that? It was Bruce Tim. That's Bruce the Bruce Tim. Yeah, right. that was an. the That's name it Tim limb, Sorry. He's
2: actually <laughs> another comic creator, Bruce Tim. You're right.
1: I apologize. Uh, yeah, sorry. he's Go the ahead.
2: mastermind of the best Batman stuff. Yeah, ever. Um, so I threw out. Okay, so T Bird and Throttle, Brutus the Badass. Uh, bigfoot bill there is a, i talked about jawbreakers i talked about cyber frog there are tons of awesome indie comics out there on indiegogo right now that you can check out you can back you can follow these guys on twitter uh follow them on youtube and uh if you're if you love indie comics you get to watch these guys make them from scratch they'll do like live stream uh, videos on youtube oh can you sure. watch them draw the comics that you'll eventually get it's fucking cool
1: fuck yeah yeah that's, that's all i got Alright guys, get out there and fucking support Indie Comics, because that's what keeps the fucking business going. and That's what matters. All right. Varble, you got anything to say? No, I'm good. You all set? Yep. Alright, love you guys, thank you Kevin, and you all have a great night.